if you have an interest in horses and love learning more about horses, the horse industry, teaching, or even managing your own horse business, then you're in the right place. We would love you to join us on our mission, which is to improve the lives of horses around the world through the education of riders, handlers, and trainers. So get comfortable, listen in, and enjoy. We welcome back Jen Hamilton again today on Horse Chats. Jen, of course, is a previous guest. Lots of times, just go to horsechats.com, search for Hamilton or Hamilton Marsden, and you should be able to see her previous chats. But also, too, just before we get started, I want to remind you that International Horse College has a mission to improve the welfare of horses around the world through the safe education of their riders, handlers and trainers. International Horse College has been very thorough in the selection of courses for the wide variety of people who are already working or preparing to work within the horse industry. For more information about these government accredited courses, go to internationalhorsecollege.com. Now, Jen, we're going to talk today about riding for the fastest time. Is that right? Well, we're going to talk about jump offs. <laughs> okay. I'm not sure fastest time is the way I'd like to define it. All right. Well, we'll change that title then to jump offs. But before we do that, we talked a bit last time about rushing before a jump, running away from the jump. And we want to define the difference between a jump off but then a horse is rushing before and running away. We talked about those um, challenges last time. But I suppose the big thing is why go faster? You've said jump offs, but um, can you just briefly tell us about a jump off and when we would go faster within a competition? To back up just a little bit, you mentioned um, horses rushing. Yes. Horses are rushing when it is a sudden increase of speed. Sudden. Okay. In a jump off, we talk about the fastest one around the course. Where actually, it is the person who negotiates the course the fastest, but it doesn't necessarily mean the horse was running the fastest. That is the big difference. And I think that's when people get in trouble. It's, well, we'll go back. The, the jump-off is actually an extra round for a class, and it is used when there is an equality of faults in the first round, and then the riders go back in to ride usually a shortened course, and it is against the clock. But time is only the deciding factor if there is an equality of faults. So if you run around the course the fastest, knock all the jumps down, well, you didn't win. Yep. <laughs> You've got to leave the sticks up, or as many as you can, and then time is the deciding factor. So if we're going to our first competition and there's a, a couple of people with fastest rounds, do we say, right, we're going to go all out and uh, get the fastest time from the start to the finish, or do we need to get something established first? I mean, at what level do we start to bring in riding for jump-offs? I mean, you know, we'll probably ride for the jump-off, but not necessarily riding to win. Tell us a little bit about what needs to be established with the horse and the rider training before we start talking about, and this is for people listening, you know, that might have just started jumping, 
do they start jumping? What needs to be established first? Yeah, just tell us a little bit within that at what level. Well, it all goes back, as always, to flat work and riding with balance, rhythm, and straightness. The first course, you walk the course, and you build your strategy based on your horse. You're also walking the jump off at the same time. And again, you're building a strategy based on your horse. And it's based on your the rider and horse's strengths. Now, as I said, the clock decides the winner if there is an equality of faults. Now, how do you get the fastest time? You take the shortest route is what you do on a forward canter. Now, if you start going too fast, you can't make turns. You won't be taking the shortest route. What you need to do on the in your, your homework, your training at home, is teach the horses to go forward and come back. The stride control, always longitudinal control, that you can go forward and you can come back. We have to get straightness. If we, you have horses that bulge and things, they just don't turn as well, and you'll take wider turns. So you're always working on longitudinal connection, back to front, and lateral connection side to side. The way you can decrease your time on course is by, as I said, shortening the track. And you do that by taking jumps on angles, turning, tighter turns in and away from jumps. And in the beginning course, probably you're taking wider turns. You just, it's as if you're shortening the area you're riding in, like the short sides close in. You're not using the whole ring in the jump off. The problem that most people fall into when they're first doing jump offs is they think speed. Speed should be the final element put into the equation of the jump off after um, practicing turns or it turns in and away from jumps and jumping on angles. Speed takes away power. Speed takes away control. The bigger the canter you're on, the bigger the turns. You've just put in more strides. You're taking up more time on that clock. And so if you look at top riders, those horses, they can go forward. They've got great big strides. They're going, opening up their strides like to 14 feet or more, and they can take. Back getting fast, they're just forward on this forward stride, and they can turn. So they can go forward, they can turn. But beginning people, if they get speed, they can't turn. They can't negotiate slicing, angling jumps and things. And everything falls apart. The final element put into the equation is speed. And unfortunately, people like to put it in first because... It's fun. The problem is it gets dangerous. And people love jump-offs because it allows our inner cowboy to come out in us, (laughs) which we love. But the problem is you want to bring in out that inner cowboy, that educated inner cowboy. 
That's what wins the class. Educated inner cowboys. I have to write that down. I haven't actually heard that one, that inner cowboy, but, but certainly the educated inner cowboy is what's going to win the class. I think that's a great thing to remember. Because, and you have to think, the inner cowboy, the educated inner cowboy is brave, but not stupid. The educated inner cowboy knows when to take the risks and whether it's worth it. And is it safe for both the rider and the horse? You can't take risks that aren't safe. You can't take risks that the horse hasn't been trained to do and the rider isn't trained to do. And I think one of the important things about jump-offs, and I'm coming from a coach's point of view, is that most of us are not training Olympic riders. I mean, that's all taken care of. We're, we're talking, you know, jumping meter 10, meter 20 and lower. And the jump-off is a test of training, it's a, a test of mental focus for the rider. It's a test of being able to build a strategy based on the individual horse and rider's strengths. And I, when I'm um, doing clinics, I always ask riders, so what are your and the horse's strengths? And they kind of look at me as if I'm crazy. They can always tell me their weaknesses, but knowing the strengths is important. How do you know what option to take in a jump off if you don't know your strengths? You must know the strengths. How do you find out your strengths? Through training. Can your horse jump on an angle, right to left, left to right? How many strides do you need to turn in? to a jump off the right rein, the left rein, whether it's a vertical or an oxer. How many strides do you need? Can you turn after a jump left and right? This type of thing has to be known. And that is put into your strategy for your course. I think, well, I walk, when I used to go to shows, I would walk the course with five, eight people at a time. But we have to build different strategies for each horse. We're talking meter 10, meter 20 horses. They're not all the same. All the riders aren't the same. All the riders don't have the same bravery level and things. So the jump off, the strategy has to be custom designed based on strengths. Okay. I'm, uh, you know, just going through, and, and I know that you said, you know, you're asking people about the strengths. So. What sort of things, if you talk about coming to a workshop or a clinic and you've got a group of riders who are experienced show jumpers and you ask them what are their strengths, what type of things would you like them to reply? I would like, first of all, I like it when the riders go, this horse has a fabulous canner. Because mm -hmm. once we know that it has a good canner, we know that we can work with it. I want to know that that horse goes forward and it comes back. It turns left, it turns right. And that the horse is brave and that the rider is brave, that they have a bonding thing, that 
the horse trusts the rider and the rider trusts the horse. And this trust basically comes from the rider riding with conviction that they don't change their minds. Horses will forgive riders that make big mistakes if it's done with conviction. Horses hate riders who bail out on them and they start riding gray zones. You know, and if you're in a jump off and you're coming at an angle on a jump and you're wishy-washy, the horse is going, I don't think so. But if the rider, you know, just keeps them channeled between their leg and their hand, holding them side to side, and they have conviction, the horse will jump it, will leave the ground at least. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Might not clear it, but it definitely will leave the ground. I think it's, again, it's not only building strategies based on strengths. It's also knowing the goal of going into that jump off. I mean, people have different goals or should when they're going into jump offs depending on the sophistication of the rider and of the horse. Now, some when top riders go in the ring, they're going in to win, and there is no question about it. They're going in to get first place and take home the big prize. That's what they're there for. That's their job. But amateurs, they have different goals. Some of them are just doing it for the fun and want to arrive alive at the outgate mounted. So that person is given a very soft strategy. No big, you know, questions, no big risks are taken. But as people become more competitive and more sophisticated in their ride, well, the strategy has more risks in it. Can your horse do this? Does it do it at home? Now, we're going to test whether that horse will do the skill that we practice at home, but will it do it in competition when both the horse and the rider are a bit more excited? So the goal can be arrive alive at the outgate. It can be to practice. New you know, skills have been practiced at home, but practice it in competition. It can be to go out and win. Yes, go out and win, because that is the name of the game. But if you're increasing your skill level in the jump-offs, even if you don't get first prize, you're winning. And that is the point of the exercise. Always go out to be a winner. Stop. I need to interrupt this chat for a hot-off-the-press notification. That is, that the latest version of the book, 101 Careers in the Horse Industry, is now available, and the best news is that it's a free download. So if you work in the horse industry, if you have a plan to work in the horse industry and have a career in the horse industry, or if you know someone who plans to have a career in this fabulous industry, then this is an essential book for you to read now, and then keep as a reference as you progress through your career. With over 100 jobs to choose from, you'll probably find at least one that you'd happily do without being paid. So simply go to internationalhorsecollege.com, scroll down to the bottom of the page and click on the 101 careers in the horse industry button to receive your free career book. Imagine, maybe one day you could be a guest on Horse Chats. All right. You've talked about a, you know, a couple of different exercises there. Say you've got 
a rider. You've not seen them before. They do show jump. They're going well, but they say, look, I always blow the jump off. I just never get around. I always take the wide turns, you know, because I just want to be safe. But now I'm going to find my inner cowboy and I want to be able to be competitive in the jump off. Now, you're going to teach them over a period of time. It's not just come in for one quick lesson and then, you know, I'm going to win the next jump off. Over a period of time, specifically for riding jump offs, what exercises should they be doing? You've already talked about stride control and you've said, you know, about opening the horse up and letting them cover the distance, but also being able to bring them in and, and have a tight turn. What exercises are we talking about specifically for jump offs? Well, personally, I always start out with, after we've been doing stride control, actually jumping the horse off different stride lengths where the horse and rider are both comfortable with it. Then I would actually start going on angles, slicing the jump. I mean, when we were talking the other other times, I've always said I want people perpendicular to the jump. Now we're taking the riding to another level. We're starting to angle jumps. And so you've got a wide angle and a short angle when you're coming in on that slice. And teaching the horse that the wide angle side is not a time to run out and that the rider is holding them to the center of the jump, but on an angle, they're not perpendicular anymore. And I'd be doing that both ways. Then I'd be practicing turns in and away from jumps. The interesting thing is, you know, I said people like to add speed into the equation first. People also forget that you actually make more time on the backside of a jump, turning away from a jump. And there's less risk turning away from the jump than doing a sharp turn into the jump. People like to turn very quickly into the jump and then they don't give the horses enough room to get balanced and set up. So I spend time with actually putting cones out, having people turn like four strides away. And we mark with the cone, this is a four stride distance and that, and practice that both left and right. And then moving it in, this is a three stride distance. And then finally, probably to a two stride distance for some of them. And these jumps aren't particularly high at this point. The jumps get higher when you're trying to find out how much room do you actually need to get into a jump. Interesting thing, horses are like left and right-handed and they aren't the same on both sides. So sometimes you have a horse turns really well into a jump off a right-hand turn only needs three, two strides, but on a left-hand turn, you need more. You have to know this when you're at the show, but at, at home, you're practicing trying to make them even. And practicing the turn on the backside of the jump, away from the jump, again, I would put cones, having them see how, you know, marking distance, this is three strides, this is two strides, this type of thing. And... There's a whole chapter on this, chapter seven in that famous book, Stride Control. And I, I, if you haven't already bought the book, I certainly recommend that you go and buy the book. <laughs> um, you can go to horsechats.com and, and go to the bottom of one of Jen's 
chats or else you can go to where else Jen they can contact you direct can't they through Facebook Jen Marsden Hamilton yes perfect okay so once we practice slicing and turns in and away then we add the speed to it how much can or can you have and still turn as I, as I said earlier, bigger the canner, bigger the turn. And if we can actually expand on that and say the shorter the canner, the shorter the turn. So sometimes full-out gallop at a jump causes you more trouble. You can't turn. All right. So we've really got to think about that, having a big canter, but, but also being able to create that tight turn, and particularly after the jump. Well, an example I... I had a girl that rode with me. She had a, a, a nice horse. She was a nice rider, but she wasn't the bravest girl riding. And you know what? She won so many classes against the clock, against good riders, because the others would try and be hot shots and do fast turns or gallop and things, and they would get themselves in trouble. Where my girl, she would cut corners, you know, at the ends of the ring, but she never got fancy, but she always went clean, and that won a lot of classes. All right. Well, I think, um, you know, we've talked quite a bit about the individual riders, you know, having the individual plan. That certainly sounds like, you know, you had the correct plan for that girl. Before we finish off about riding jump-offs, is there anything else we need to know, Jen? Well, again, thinking of it from a coach's point of view, mm. I think doing jump-offs have to be practiced at home. And we do, um, in the lower levels, we do immediate jump-offs. And this can really blow riders' minds. That they go in the first, well, first of all, you have to walk the course and then you ju- the jump-off at the same time. Mm-hmm. And people get them confused. Yep. So this has to be practiced at home so they don't confuse it. Then the riders have to be taught and practice. You know, after you finish the course and you're going to go in the jump off, there is a bit of time before you actually have to start the jump off. They blow the whistle again. And I think coaches have to train the riders to use that time effectively, that the rider clears their mind, calms down, and focuses on the jump off, what needs to be done next. And then just simulate this at home. Oh, and another thing I think is important, I mean, they should, the riders should watch other riders. But what often happens is, let's say Nancy is watching riders and she sees Susie go in the ring and Susie does a really tight turn into a jump and Nancy goes, oh, I should try that. I've got to do that. Well, Nancy, your horse can't, and you can't. You're not mentally focused for that. But Nancy tries it, and, of course, she gets eliminated or something because she can't do it. So you've got the riders have to be trained to stick to the strategy. But if the strategy starts falling apart, then they back their ride off to be more conservative just so they can actually gain the confidence and get around the course. Okay. I think that the importance of having a coach who's knowledgeable and can help riders 
just absolutely invaluable, not just yeah. for jump-offs, but for, you know, all types of riding, all types of everything. And again, a little bit, don't try and do something in the ring that you yeah. haven't done at home yes. and you haven't done successfully. <laughs> that often happens too. Oh, we better try this. Not a good plan. Yes, your training's done at home. Yep. Yep. All right. Yeah. Well, remember, just if you haven't got that book, Stride Control, you can have a look at the horsechats.com website or contact Jen through Facebook, Jen Marsden Hamilton, to get that book, Stride Control. And uh, we've talked about riding jump offs today. But go back and have a listen to all the other chats. And um, yeah, hope to catch up with you again soon, Jen. Now, Glennis, I love telling stories. Can I tell one story? Absolutely. We, we love your stories. Not only do you love telling stories, we love the stories that you tell because they're so relevant, so relevant for riders and so relevant for coaches. Okay. Well, I have a dear friend in New Zealand. Her name is Mirren Hain, and I'm sure people have heard of Mirren. Anyway, I was in New Zealand, and Mirren asked me what I thought the most impressive thing I'd ever seen in the riding. And I said, well, I thought it was... A it was at Spruce Meadows in the um, the big class. And you can all see Spruce Meadows. It's a big, big field. Anyway, in the final class, the second to last fence was at one end of the big field, the arena, and the last fence was at the other end. There had to have been 50 strides between all of this. And Heidi Robiani from Switzerland on a wonderful horse called Jessica Five came off the second to last fence, picked up the gallop, and never took back. And galloped at the final fence. It was a, a controlled gallop, but it was a gallop. And the last jump was a plank, with a plank. And Heidi Robiani just galloped at that thing and won the class. And so Muren said, let's practice. So we did practice it once in a while. It can't be practiced a lot, but it was practiced. And it was a skill that Muren was able to put in her back pocket when she needed it. She knew she could do this. And she was sitting on a wonderful horse called Trebonning. Anyway, about a year and a half, two years after we started practicing this, the same course designer went to Horse of the Year in New Zealand, Leopoldo Palacios. And in the big Grand Prix, the second last fence was at one end of the arena and the last fence, the plank, was at the other end. And Greg Best, who was helping Muren, um, Greg Best won the um, silver medal at um, Seoul Olympics. He was helping Muren, and he said, what are you going to do, Muren? How are you going to do this? And she said, I'm going to do a Heidi Robiani. <laughs> and, of course, he didn't know what that meant. Anyway, Muren goes in, and she knows that the only way she can win this class is to do a Heidi Robiani. Now, it wasn't stupidity on her part because it had been practiced. The risk factor was quite low. She knew the horse, knew how to do it. They both were brave enough to do it. The horse was a very good jumper, so the risk factor there is down. The only question was, will it stay up? And 
that was a good question. I mean, she was hoping, 50, 50 chance, right? Yep. So, Murin comes off the second last fence, picks up the gallop, and never takes back. Half of the stadium, the crowd is cheering her on. The other half is gasping in <laughs> terror. She made it. Wow. She won. Wow. Wow. And it was done because she had that skill in her back pocket. Yes. Yes. It was amazing. And as you say, it had been practiced and practiced and practiced at home. Yeah. 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 Well, it hadn't been practiced a lot, but it had been practiced she enough that it. she knew it yep. was a possibility. So I love telling that story. Yep. The Heidi Robiani. <laughs> great story and great story to finish up on. So, um, yep, that's brilliant. Is there a video available? I don't think so, unfortunately. <laughs> It's a shame, isn't it? Although it's you know, fabulous. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, thank you, and remember that. Um, yeah, you don't go out and, and try that at your uh, at your next competition. It's something no. that's got to be worked out with your coach, and and it's a skill to be learned. And only done by top level people on yes. top horses. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Brilliant. Brilliant. That's something to aspire to. But people have to train so they can be at their best, and their horses are at their best. Yep. Yep. All right, then. Brilliant, Jen. We'll um, catch up with you soon. Thanks for your stories. Thanks for all your knowledge and, and your education and, um, you know, everything. I mean, every time I talk to you, it's something different. I'm always writing down just notes, you know. Today was the big thing about, um, about the educated in a cowboy. They win the class. They're brave but not stupid. They don't take risks that the horse and rider are not educated to do. So I think that um, situation you just told us about was an in, in educated in a cowboy. Definitely. Anyway, thank you very much. And everybody, be stars. Yep. All right. Talk to you soon then, Jen. Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye now. If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate, and subscribe. If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government-accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Remember that our comments and instructions are general in nature and do not take into consideration your individual horses or your individual ability and circumstances. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave your comment below. 